Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Praise God. As we're in week six of our series, Win the World Within, um, I, I started to, I was sharing in 930 Huddle that this is a, it's an interesting week because I had a, a, a mindset, a framework of some of the things that I wanted to share every week. And I know that next week I want to share uh, on the importance on this greatness and the greatness within us and the, and what that brings and, and what that causes us to. Sometimes when we come to the realization that there's greatness in us, we need to also um, welcome what comes with it. And sometimes what comes with it is things that we don't desire. But I don't want to get too much into that. But I believe that next week's message is going to be a very powerful message, especially as we get ready to enter Christmas and family and giving gifts and receiving gifts. I think that next week's message is truly going to wrap um, our mind into a lot of the importance of what is Christmas and all that. So, so be ready for next Sunday. But I knew I needed to share something in between from last week to this week. And I, and I feel like God stirred in my heart um, something that is very important. And I don't know if you've um, ever been to the point where you've had to just come clean. And that's the message title today. It's come clean. And uh, sometimes coming clean, and I'm not just saying like, oh, I took a shower this morning. I came clean. <laughs> I'm not talking about, thank you for coming clean. Uh, if you didn't, if you came a little dirtier, you're still welcome here. We love you anyways. So you're in your dirtiness. But listen, I'm talking about coming clean in honesty we've said since week one that the only way that this works winning the world within is with honesty and it's with coming clean and i think that this is a a good place to be at in our messages as we get ready to close off our series um i started to just think about all of our weeks i actually went this week and i read all my notes from the last uh five messages i just started reading them all and as I was reading them, I could say, man, I could just hope and I could only pray that we are at the point on the sixth week where there has been some, evalu- where some evaluation has taken place. That's all I could just pray, you know. And, and I, as I was reading those notes, I was like, God, I pray that at least one person from our nest has really taken into consideration where they're at. That, that things have surfaced or that you have taken time to truly just search within to identify your condition those areas that have been avoided or we could say even justified your spiritual health where where you've come to the place uh, of being honest with someone and and we've been saying the right someone because not everyone is the right person to come clean with it's got to be the right the right person the right people in your lives to come clean so that they can help you in the beginning it gets to a point where it becomes so healthy and you're so healed that coming clean is part of your testimony where it's now the voice that you have. But, but it's that process. And it's with the right people to get to that point, being honest with yourself. And it starts with most important with being honest with God. How many of you can say amen? And that's what we've been speaking about. So write that down in your notes. Come clean. And if you have not, you should add something to it. But it's time for me to come clean. And I hope you could do that. What, what does that mean to come clean? I want to share a story, but before I share this story, what does come clean mean? And you know, you think about that, and it's very simple. To come clean is just to be honest, completely honest, to keep nothing hidden. And I think that word is important, where there is nothing hidden. In, in, in my marriage, if me and my wife are at a dinner table, uh, it's okay to have my phone up because I come clean. I don't have to flip my phone this way. And if someone texts me, I don't have to hide my phone that way. In every aspect of our lives, it's important that things are not hidden. Hidden things, unless you want to hide a gift for someone, you're trying to surprise them. Okay, you guys understand what I'm saying. But hidden things are not, are not good things. And to keep something hidden, it doesn't benefit you. It damages you, it damages you long-term and it damages the ones that you're hiding it from. Amen? Keep nothing hidden. I, w- I want to share a story because I hope that this is none of our hearts. 
But I started to think about, man, do I have something in my life that I've had to come clean? And I've had, and some of those I'll keep it with the people that I come clean to. But the reality is I'll never forget when I was in high school. How many of you done some dumb things when you're in high school? All right, good. I'm not the only one. So you all have some stories too. Maybe we could have like a little fellowship session where we could all just share our stories of the dumb things that we did when we were in high school. But I'll never forget. I thought we thought it was a good idea. I went to a public school and me and my friends thought it was a good idea to, hey, let's show up in school in the morning, but then let's not show up. Let's, um, let's all just do something else. So we, did, we said, let's start off our day by going to McDonald's. Let's have some breakfast. And then from there, we'll decide what the rest of the day looks like. So we went to McDonald's. We never showed up to school in a sense, though we officially did, but we didn't check in. And we went to McDonald's and we started eating breakfast. And right there while we were at McDonald's, a bunch of young guys, uh, I think it was two police cars pull in and they get down. And right after, I mean, we couldn't even start off our day. It was like, right, I was like, man, right in the beginning. And they said, what are you young guys doing? Shouldn't you be in school? And we're like, well, yeah, we're just running late. You know, um, we wanted to have some breakfast. And they said, let's come outside. And they came outside and they searched us and, and um, they found certain things on us. And so they said, we're taking you back to school. And I said, oh, man. So they put us in a cop car. They, they were nice enough not to put handcuffs on us or nothing. They, they shoved us in the back of the cop cars and they drove us to school. I don't know if my father knows this story. He's like, I never heard this story from my son, but it's all right. It's good. This is a long time old. And uh, I, went, I went to the school and they lined us up. And I remember they even did like a whole... Um, they did a whole, like, a gang report on us. Have you ever had a gang report on you? Like, do you have any tattoos? Do you have any? I'm like, what? What is this? Like, so they did, like, a whole report on us, an arrest report. And um, we get there, and they kept us, like, in, uh, in, in our school. I, I think it was called CSI. If you ever went to public school, you know what that is? So we, like, were in CSI for the rest of the day. So it was, like, doing work and cleaning the school and stuff like that. The whole day, like, this is your punishment. You're going to get CSI, and we're going to call your parents, and we're going to let them know that you were taken by the police and you were brought to school. You know, the whole, the whole the whole nine. And I just remember, you know, I, I have a very strong mom who gave me the ability to breathe, but I, I feared her. And I said, oh my God, they're going to let my mom know. I hope they don't tell her the things they found on us, but I hope they just tell her like, hey, your son kind of got brought back to school from the police. And so I remember I was home that night and I was like, I hope the school forgets to call. I hope the school forgets to call. And and the phone rang, and I, and, I, and I was just looking at my mom, and she's like, oh, yes, this is her. And I knew it. Right when she says, this is her, I was like, this is the school. And they're calling my mom, and she's like, really? Yeah, and she's already looking at me. She's like, wait until I hang Like, she's already voicing. She's already voicing to me, waiting until I hang up the phone. So I already knew what was happening. They were telling my mom everything. So I was like, thinking of a master plan. I was like, what do I tell her? What do I tell her? And, and I'm just looking at her, and she hangs up the phone. She says, you, and it just went off in my house. And what do you mean the cops got you and took you to school? And you're, you're going to kill me, Rigo. You're gonna... And I said, Mom, you know what? I was going to tell her. I was, was going to tell her, Mom, our plan was to skip and do that. My Mom, we were just eating breakfast. We were just eating. What's the big deal? I skipped first period. Like, first period is dumb. You know what? And, um, and I had to come clean, you know, with my mom. I mean, but I, I came clean because I got caught. So I, I really wasn't coming clean. And I, and, and I told her, oh, mom, you know, and, and coming clean to my mom on that day was lying to her and to telling her I was just missing the first couple periods to enjoy some breakfast. And my mom probably like, you ate breakfast before going to school. But, but I, I kind of lied coming clean with my mom. And the reality is because it's not because I wanted to be honest with her. It's because I didn't want to be punished. I didn't want a punishment from her. I wanted to go out that weekend. I wanted to go hang. You know, I, I just didn't want to be punished. And that's why I just said, yeah, mom, it's true. But, you know, I had to make up my own story. But it wasn't really coming clean. It wasn't coming clean in honesty. It wasn't coming clean for the right reasons. Everything in that story and in my own life, it's because I decided I wasn't at the right place. And I definitely wasn't going to tell my mom the whole truth. And I started thinking about that story because I got caught. And I said, I hope it's never, that's not any of us, that we don't have to wait for us to get caught in order to come clean. That's a scary place to be at. You know, sometimes we say, oh man, God is so mean. And 
God is, and, and we tend to speak about that a lot here in church. When we get exposed, it's not that God is a mean God and he's not a, he's not a loving God. I, I, I feel in my relationship with the Lord, I've come to believe that him exposing us is actually because he loves us. And he says, I've let you go for so long. I've had to bring this out to the surface so that you could finally humble yourself and I could deal with you. And we've shared that here very openly. So I, I don't think the exposing of, that God does to us is a bad thing. If our hearts get right and we humble ourselves, God does a beautiful work in it. Maybe we lose a part of influence that we once had. But that was, that's a consequence. But at least we don't lose heaven. Amen? We've seen great men, great women fall from a certain place. And they've repented. And maybe they've never been able to have that influence ever again. But hey, at least still have God still. And the most important thing is that you still have God. But I pray that you don't have to wait for that moment to come clean. Come clean because you want to be better. Come clean because you want to get better. Come clean because you want to honor the Lord. How many of you can say amen? We read in scripture and I think if there's a story or if there's a passage that we read a lot here in our church or we've, ha- we've read a lot here in our church, it is the origin of a lot of, th- is the origin, it's the beginning and especially the story with Adam and Eve. And I'm not going to get into the story of Adam and Eve today because many of us know it well. For some of you that don't, get into Genesis and read the first few chapters so you can know the story of Adam and Eve. But we see that Adam and Eve, they sinned. Everyone say they sinned. They sinned. It's okay to talk about sin. We should talk about sin, and we should talk about sin often. They sinned. So they sinned. Is anyone here without sin? All right, cool. So we're all, we all understand. They sinned. They sinned. But in their sin, here's, here's the difference. They live a secret life. They begin to live the secret life. And that's where it gets dangerous. They try to hide it from God. That's how I believe it's a secret life. They try to hide it from God. A secret life will only take you so far. And then the Lord, if you're in Christ, will shatter it. Because he's not going to honor those things done in secrecy. Amen? All right, good. So, Oftentimes in our own lives, we begin to feel shame or guilt. You know, the sin in our lives. For some of us, it's just hurt that we've carried, unforgiveness. All these different things that maybe you've carried since childhood, since what happened to you when you were a kid, since what happened to you last year. Whatever it is that you're carrying, we can't come over here and dissect every single one of you. The Word of God has a beautiful element to it that itself it's like a knife that cuts and penetrates right through and it begins to do surgery within your own life and hopefully you've allowed the Lord and his word to do that but as this happens and we we live with all these things that are in us certain things begin to take place and we and we could relate to these things as it take as it took place in Adam and Eve and I want to just share that with you briefly you should write these down if you're taking notes Because I think this is so important for every single one of us. For right now, and for years down the road, you go back to your notes and you say, oh man, man, never forget this. Number one, write this down. We're speaking about Adam and Eve, but we're really speaking about you and me. You and me. Number one, they hid from God. Everyone say, say that, they hid from God. Do you remember that when God came into the garden and Adam was not there, like he was accustomed to being there. What was God's words to Adam? He says, Adam, where are you? They hid from God. Adam and Eve did not show up to their appointment, did not show up to the Lord. And we see in this instance in their lives where they never were hidden from God. Everything was open and naked and exposed and free before the Lord. And now they're hiding from God. And I started to think about my own life, our lives, people's lives, what, where we get to in our life. And, and this is what we hid from God looks like. We begin to isolate. You've ever been there in your life where there's sin in your life, there's problems in your life, there's turmoil in your life, there's hurt in your life, there's pain, there's unforgiveness in your life. You have to define what's there. And then you begin to isolate yourself. I've been there. I've isolated myself. Many a time have I isolated myself from each other, 
I've isolated myself from the very people that I live with. Yeah, I have. When my wife can look at me in the eye and say, you know, we haven't spoken like a real conversation for like three, four days. Well, I'm isolated, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> you ever isolated yourself? You isolate yourself. That's what happens, right? They hid from God. They isolate themselves. Not only do you isolate yourself, but you begin to struggle. You struggle with loneliness. You stop showing up. You've ever just stopped showing up? How many of you have been there, but you just didn't show up? You've been, you're there, you're present, but you're not there. You're, you're, you're in attendance, but you didn't show up. They stop showing up. They take a step back, and they take a step back from friends and from family. Very important. They take a step back from God. And they, 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 that step back is taking a step back from serving God and from serving others. I think the greatest gift that we have is the ability to serve God by serving others. And when we begin to hide from God, the isolation, the struggle of loneliness, the not showing up instantly in our lives causes us to stop serving people. Why? Because I got these things going on inside of me. So don't ask me to serve and wash anyone's feet when I feel this way. You with me? That's what happens and you come to a place where you have... That's not God's problem. Like God didn't do you a, 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 an injustice there. Like when, I, when I'm at that point, when you're at that point, it's looking at the mirror and recognizing like, oh, I don't want to serve people. Not necessarily because people are the problem. It's because I am the problem. I got issues. I got things going on. I've isolated myself. I've come to a place of loneliness. I separated from friends, from loved ones, from family, from God, from what I was called to do. Everyone know this here. Every single one of us was called to serve others. You're called to serve each other. You're called to serve those that God's put in your path. You're called to serve God. In Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 it says, And they heard, and Adam and his wife, here it is. Hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. It's interesting. It's interesting because here they are and they're hiding themselves. I, I think about chapter 3 verse 10, just two verses down. Look at chapter 3 verse 10. <laughs> Adam is confronted and he says, I heard your voice in the garden. Remember, he's hiding in the trees in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So Let's pause for a moment. I want you to catch the words here. Don't read the Bible so quickly that you don't catch something great that's happening here. He says, I heard your voice in the garden. And what does he say right after he heard his voice? I was afraid. Since when are you afraid of my voice? Now you fear me, but afraid of my voice? The fear of the Lord is in you, but afraid of my voice? It's interesting how the same voice that comforts us when we're living with hidden things, it's the same voice that now we're afraid of. When you are afraid of his voice, it's probably because there's sickness in your heart. And that's where they were at. I heard you talking, God, and I ran away. It's like when my mom got the call and I heard her speaking, I heard her voice. I said, oh, man, all I wanted to do was hide because I feared the whole story I told you earlier. And they, 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 they were just afraid. They were afraid. And, and I said, my goodness, I have been there with the same voice that speaks over me. And I just am drenched in it. Oil was like, oh, the Lord is singing over me. The Lord has spoken his word over me. He comforts me. He heals. The same voice that heals and saves, empowers us. That voice that speaks over us is also the same voice that Adam, that I, that every single one of us, if we could come to admit, says, I heard you and I was afraid. You know, that speaks more of our condition, our decisions, and what we do to ourselves in our relationship with a loving God. It doesn't speak so much of what God does. It speaks much more of what we've decided for ourselves. Amen? Number one, we, we hide ourselves. 
This is good because the message is titled, Come Clean. So I'm wondering if anyone here is hiding. We're just asking. The Lord is asking. The Lord is tugging at your heart. And you've been feeling this since week one. And he's like, come clean. Because it's not, you're not going to be blessed. You're finding, you're trying to find blessing in other ways. It's not going to happen. Number two is this. They covered themselves. You should write that down. They covered themselves. They covered themselves. If you know the story of Adam and Eve, it says that they made clothes, they made garments out of fig leaves. They began to sew them. So I started to think about Adam and Eve covering themselves. And I, and, and I want to ask you guys, as I've had to ask myself, you've ever come before the Lord covered up? Maybe I should use a different word. Have you ever come before the people of God, before God's presence, before the Lord with mask on? Multiple masks, one mask. Today I'm going to be this person. It's a mask. It's a cover-up from what's really going on. We do that good, well. We've done that well. We're good with that. We have to portray something. We have to be strong for something. And what happens is sometimes it just becomes up and it becomes masked for too long. I feel like the danger of ministry can do that. Ministry has a danger of doing that to many of our lives. We get so caught up with ministry that we lose a grip of relationship. I need to be a certain person for ministry. And God talks at your heart and says, yeah, but who are you in, my rela- in our relationship? Oh, I got to show this. And God's like, yeah, but what are you showing me? Come on, I want, I, I, we need to come clean. We need to be honest. And these are honest conversations we have. And I, I figure rather than, this is an individual who figures that rather than dealing with what I've, uh, what I've, what, what I've really done or dealing with what I'm doing, it's better just to cover myself. It's better just to cover myself because we say things like, oh, God will understand. God understands. How many of us, speaking for myself, God knows my heart. (laughs) He does. And he knows that so often it's desperately wicked. Amen? God will understand. I I, I even do this. Oh, others are doing it too. I mean, come on. God's not going to strike us all dead. Others are doing it. When the reality is, well, God's heart is not pleased and I'm responsible, I'm accountable for myself. We are accountable for ourselves. Amen? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened. Were opened. If they were opened, that means that they were covered. They were shut. They were closed. They were open. And they knew that they were naked. They were exposed. And they began with their own strength, with their own understanding, knowledge. They said, this is a good idea. Let's do this. This will work. God will understand. He gave us the bit. And they began to sew fig leaves together. And they made themselves, what did they make themselves? Coverings. And they began to cover themselves. Their eyes were open and they began to cover themselves. Have I, have I ever had my eyes open? Have you have your eyes been open? What specifically to, though? Well, to things, you sh- to things you've never done and things you should have never done or should never do. Have your eyes been open to continual behaviors and feelings, emotions that are harming you rather than growing you? And because of that, I have to cover some of these things up. Number two, they begin to cover themselves. Number one, they hid from God. And they had to come to a place where Adam, Eve, you have to come clean. How many of you understand that? Number three, write this down. They began to blame. This is my favorite one. They began to blame. How many of you are really good at this one? Uh, For sure I'm not the problem. For sure everyone else is the problem but me. There's no way I'm it. Number three, they begin to blame. We know the story of Adam and Eve. Adam's, what have you done? Adam looks at God and says, well, you know, the wife you gave me. (laughs) He turns to the woman. Woman, what have you done? Well, you know, the serpent that's here. (laughs) Serpent? (laughs) What have you done? You know, you know what I'm saying? The blame game. And this is hard to come clean about. In Genesis 3, 12 and 13, just to read it and give context to it, it says, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. I could just just 
man, I don't know. I could just picture God doing one of these. Like I do with my son, kind of, and my daughter. My daughter comes up and says, Jackson hit me in the mouth. And I'm like, but did you hit him first? Like, oh, no. What happened? It was like I was in the room. And she gives me a whole song. like, you hit him first. The woman you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Woman. And then she says, the serpent deceived me and then I ate. And, and I like I say, oh my God, has this ever happened to me? I'm going to ask the church if this has ever happened to them. So church, has this ever happened to you? Or maybe I should ask you a stronger question. Is this happening to you right now? It's hard for you to confront this, to come open about this. Let me, let me tell you why. Ready? Why couldn't Adam said, you know what, Lord, I messed up. I was a bad husband this last week. I haven't led my wife well. I, I was right there when my wife took from it. I could have taught her. I could have told her. I could have, but he didn't do anything. Then why? Like, no one fessed up. No one manned up, if you want to use, use the term manned up. Whatever. No one stood up at that moment. No one showed up. No one came clean. Everyone just started to blame one another. And I said, I get it. I understand. What, I'm going to speak as a man. I understand what's going on with Adam. You want to know what's going on with Adam? He wasn't ready to confront his ego. He wasn't ready to confront his pride. He was so prideful that he says, it's the woman's fault. Many times when we immediately put the blame on someone, you're just exposing your own pride. Really? You didn't see nothing wrong with you. You didn't see one little word you said wrong. One little step that you took you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have taken. What, like, all the blame is theirs. Now there are times when, I mean, you just can't. They, they pulled the trigger. It was their fault. Like, there's some things that are just obvious. But let's be honest. In our lives, like this blame game, we, it's hard for us to confront our ego, our pride, to, to finally take an opportunity and to humble ourselves, to be honest, to take blame for what I am only responsible for. I'm responsible for that. No one made me do that. I chose it on my own. I decided this. I'm responsible. I have to come clean. You guys understanding these three introductory, introductory points? It's so much easier to find fault in everything else. Please listen to this. Because I want to help you f- get free from this. It's so much easier to find fault in everything else and everyone else. Rather than just getting dirty for a moment. And exposing yourself so that you can become fully clean. It's not everyone's fault. And it's not everything's fault. What do we need to take responsibility for and come clean about? Amen? Our blaming will only take us so far. We will blame everything and everyone except ourselves. And find ourselves eventually. This is how you'll find yourself bitter. You'll find yourself hurt. You'll find yourself angry. You'll find yourself filled with unforgiveness, critical, defensive, unapproachable. And uneventually, you'll find yourself alone. And the reason why you're alone all the time is because your blaming has come to an end and it's left you alone. Isn't this a beautiful word to hear? (laughs) Man. Merry Christmas. Christmas at Nest. Come clean before you open any other gift. Come clean. How many of you don't want to get to that point where you're alone? Where you're bitter? Where you're hurt? Where you're critical about everything, defensive? Where you could just come clean and say, Lord, heal me. There's such a beauty in coming clean and allowing the Lord to heal those deep-seated areas that maybe haven't been paid attention to in a long time. A.W. Tozer in his book, A Man of God, I want to quote him. He says this, This generation has forgotten that the gospel message does not clean up and shine the outside of a person. Rather, it bores into the very heart and soul of a person and radically changes that person from the inside forever. And I think Tozer was right. 
The Lord wants to do just this. He starts his work and it begins with this radical change within. I could have gone so many different routes with this message, right? Like in the New Testament, we read a story where, which is a good example I could say. Oh, um, the paralytic, for example. We've, we've learned that story. If you haven't, they break, his friends break the ceiling of the roof. They drop him down from the, from the ceiling. And Jesus, <laughs> Jesus says what to him? In front of religious leaders, in front of the crowd. Jesus says what only Jesus can say. Does anyone know what Jesus says? Hey, your sins are forgiven. And then we've preached that here where the five friends are like, his sins are forgiven? No, tell him to get up and walk. We didn't drop him down to tell him his sins are... Do you think we climbed up the roof and broke this roof that we have to pay for now to hear you say his sins are forgiven? We want to see his legs work again. But what was Jesus doing? Yeah, but you see, you want me to heal the external things when I first like to heal the internal things. That's what A.W. Tozer is saying. I want to heal his inner life. Because if I don't heal what's inside and I give him the ability to use that again, I'm scared of what he's going to do with that gift. So before I give him the gift, I want to make sure that he's healed within. I'm wondering if any of us are praying for a specific gift. And the Lord's like, I want to give you a gift. The gift is yours. But for you to operate in that gift, you have to be healed within because it's danger to operate in a gift if there's not healing that's happened inside. Amen. He starts to work and it's a radical change within. He starts to work in the heart of man. Everyone say my heart. My daughter is in the phase of drawing me hearts. My refrigerator is filled with hearts and daddy loves it. Dad loves that she wants to be with me. Dad loves it. And I know that they're watching right now and they're getting ready for an event that we have now. But dad loves when she tells mom, no, I want daddy to come and tuck me in bed. No, I want dad to give me a bath. No, I want dad to take me to school. I am loving. And, and I hope it's forever. Everyone's like, enjoy now. Well, I hope it's forever. I know it's not probably, but maybe it will. Maybe God will give me that favor and it's going to be forever in Jesus' name. He starts to work in the heart. And it's not the little heart drawings. I started thinking about that. When I wrote this down, I thought about my, my daughter's heart drawings. I'm like, and they're funny heart drawings. I can't really tell you what they look like. Just tell me after service. I'll tell you what they look like. They look like your bum, you know? Her hearts. They're just like funny looking. They're like, it doesn't look like a heart. It's a beautiful heart. And then, uh. But he starts to work in your heart, not the heart that my... Daughter draws, but it's your heart. It's a different heart. It's what the Greek calls cardia. It's the, it's the inner part of your life. And we've taught that here. We've studied that here. This indicates the seat and the center of all physical and spiritual life. The heart of man is the fountain. The fountain and seat of the thoughts and passions, desires, the appetites, the affections, the purposes, your endeavors, of the thoughts, of everything, of the understanding, the will, the character, everything, the innermost part of your being, the core of who you are. That's your heart. Amen? In scripture. Not, not that organ. It's who you are. It's, and often this includes the intellect as well as the affections. And it's all of who you are. And I started to think about that in my own life. And I said, it's so true where your heart goes, the center of your life, your mind goes and your thoughts are consumed. And where your heart and mind go, my behavior goes. And then I begin to live for those things that my heart and my thoughts have gone to. I begin to run to those material things, those physical things. Or I begin to live for those things, those emotional, spiritual things that I'm spiritually lost. I was in a discussion with like eight people and none of them around the kitchen and none of them knew I was a pastor. None of them knew really that I was a Christian. They're fairly new people that I've come to meet. And they're all talking about spirituality. And I'm just listening to all of them. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Can I talk for a second here? <laughs> and they were talking about all kinds of spirituality. A spirituality that I too believe in. But I too will not agree to live in. I believe in that spirituality because I believe in a spiritual world. I believe in the demonic and I believe in the spiritual realm. But I don't believe that it has power 
over the spirit, over the one who lives within me. And I started to listen to this, and eventually one of them says, oh, one of them knows me well. He goes, and he's a pastor, by the way. And I'm like, yep, you are, yep. So here's my view on, on what was spoken here. You know, uh, difficult moments. But I started to see people's hearts and minds, and they, they, they run to physical things, material things, emotional things, spiritual things. And, and, and Jesus teaches on, on a lot of this stuff. He's teaching in this specific passage on money and possessions. And in Matthew chapter 6, don't have time to read all of it, but in verse 21, he says something so powerful so quickly that I hope you don't, they weren't there and they just read it and, and they lose the importance of it. He says, wherever your treasures of your heart will also be. Right there. And, and, and Jesus says that, and as he's teaching on money and possessions and, and, and what people are living for here on earth, he's really breaking down something. And yes, I know we're talking about a physical world, but Jesus introduces the world within them, the crowd that is around Jesus. He tells them there's a world that's alive in you. And that world in you, the desires and the, and the, and the dealings of what's going on inside of you. Man, where, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. And we know what heart is. It's that, that every part of who you are will give into that. So we are aware and we need to be careful and we need to come clean because that verse right there is a perfect reminder. Just leave that verse up there on the screen one more time. That verse right there is a perfect reminder why my life with the right people has to always be clean because if my life is not clean, this verse right here can be a very dangerous thing for me. Anyone there? So I have to be clean. I have to come clean. I have to. Win the world within, and there's so many questions to ask. And, and I guess we could just be honest here. Do not answer them out loud, but write these things down. Have the right conversation. Call me up this week. Call someone that you could trust and pray with. But here's the questions. What, what are the treasures that we've built up? Where do our desires lie? What has been taking residence in you? That no longer can be kept quiet. Church, come. Come clean. It's tiresome to hold that and not seek the help. I'm going to tell you something that I hope it frees you. It's this. Honesty is liberating. Honesty is the state of being honorable and truthful and upright. And when you're honorable and you're truthful and you're upright, it sets you free. You know why? You don't have to worry about being another person ever again. This is who I am. And as we speak on all this, it's not just about sin. I'm not just like hitting you up about, if I, if I am, then amen. That's what the Lord is doing. He's hitting you up about your sin. But it's not just about sin. It's about everything else that it may be in your life. Don't think that this man, oh, it's not me because I'm not necessarily living in sin. It's not. It's about other things in your life that you know that maybe it's just time to win the world within in these things. Come clean these things. But it can't be. I wrote this down. It can be about things that have been permanent in your life for a while and it could be because of sin but it doesn't have to be a continual sin. And I always say this, there's a root issue. There's a root issue so it all leads to something greater and it will point, if it is in people's lives, to different sins in their lives. But there is root issues in all of us. You've been in traffic and someone cuts you off. I know this is like the dumbest one. Because we want to talk about like some very grimy things. Like, like things that are really tug at your heart. So like to be safe in church, we talk about traffic. We do, we do that. That's what we do in ministry to be safe. But if you were in my living room and we were talking, I probably wouldn't talk to you about traffic. <laughs> I'd say, have you went? And then you're, you know, you'll be like, whoa, that was a very strong question. But you're in my living room. We have the freedom to talk like this. But you get angry, you get mad. And things just bleep out of you and things just come out of you. And oof, what came over you? The answer is, it's not what came over you. It's what you're rooted in. And that's what came out from what's rooted in. That's the reality in all of our lives. 
But listen to these words. I'm going to read from Proverbs and then I'll read from Numbers real quick. Listen to these words. Proverbs 28, 13. Very powerful. It says this. He who covers, conceals, hides. His sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Moses gives instruction to the to certain tribes, uh, I think it was Gad and I forgot the other ones, two families, two tribes, in regards to the lands that was to be occupied by them. And this is what the Lord speaks to these two tribes. He says, But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure that your sin will find you out. Ignore that. It's just the time of the month where they decide to cut. You sinned against the Lord and be sure it will find you out. That's a powerful scripture. So one scripture says, he who covers, who he who conceals and hides these things, these sins, they won't prosper. But whoever confesses, whoever comes clean, whoever lives out and forsakes these things that have, hit, that, have, that have kept hidden, that have been kept hidden, they'll have mercy. Numbers, the Lord is telling them, hey, know that if you don't do what I'm telling you, you've sinned against the Lord, you've sinned against me, and your sin is going to find you out. You look at these things, like it's, it's all over Scripture. He's telling us to come clean. So I went back, and I read notes like I told you, but I went back, and I didn't read just the last five weeks of notes. I did something very interesting, and I do this every once in a while. I went back and I read notes from a message I preached 12 years ago. And it was a message that I actually shared on honesty. And I was blessed. I was blessed uh, to have read what I read. And I'm going to share it with you today. I want to share with you what I, what I shared 12 years ago. And it's for one simple reason why I want to share it. And I, and I thought about, as I was reading my notes and I was preparing this, I said, oh my goodness, when I wrote this, I was so much younger. I just got married when I shared that message. I had just gotten married. The message was, I think, 13 years ago. Forgive me. I had no kids when I preached this message. It was much earlier in the walk of ministry. Our church looked so much different than... My thinking was different than it was today, than it is today, for sure, when I preached this message. I started to think about, as I was reading the notes from this message some 13 years ago, the world was at a different place. I was at a different place as a person all these years ago than I was and that I am today. Since then, some 2009 or so, so much has happened. In our world, so much has happened in my heart. Personally, joys have happened. How many of you in the last 12, 13 years have experienced joys in your heart, in your life? Pains as well. <laughs> I've experienced wins and I've experienced losses. I've gained friends, but I've also lost friends. I've lost loved ones, but I've also gained loved ones. I've gained, within those years, my two children. But I wish I could go back to the mind and to the heart and to the passion of Regal of 2009. When I was preaching a message on honesty, to see, to feel, to understand what was going on in me on that day, in that moment, throughout that week. I wish I could just go back and enter that person and just to see what that younger Regal was doing. Well, here's what I wrote, and it's probably in one of these long rants that I went on in that year. So I'm going to read you the rant. Enjoy it. Here it begins. The wording is a little bit different maybe than I would have worded it today. But listen to this. Copied and pasted exactly how I probably preached it and wrote it in my notes. I wrote this. It's time to be honest. The church has problems. I have problems. I'm sure you might have problems. Your family or someone you know has problems. The world has problems. So when they meet us, people who preach Jesus, they want to know that we're human, that we don't have everything figured out. If we did, why do we need God? That we got some issues, but that we love Jesus. And the cool thing is that he still loves us, even with all of our stuff. You see my words change a little bit. You grow up a little bit and 
Many times the, the lost are disillusioned with the church. They have an incorrect view, a wrong perspective, but, but they're not to blame fully. We confuse the lost more at times than anyone can ever do. Our self-righteousness, our fake holiness, and our quick judgments draws them back. And then we wonder why they're not coming and why, why they're not getting saved. Let's be honest. I, I can't say, let's come clean. It's but let's just keep quoting what young Rigo wrote. Let's please Jesus and win some souls. Our problem is we are hesitant to confess. We're only honest when we get caught. When our marriage, I was probably a month married when I preached this. What do I know about marriage? <laughs> but look what I wrote. Wisdom, right? At such a young age. <gasps> We're only honest when we get caught. When our marriage is suddenly on the rocks. When our kids are in trouble, this is a, a kidless man just saying this. When our careers take a turn, or when we just can't go on, we consume ourselves with hiding from our honesty and decide that it's okay to ignore it. We say God will sort it out. We need to be freed from that. It will not happen until we are honest with God, honest with ourselves and each other. We are not fooling anyone and we're definitely not fooling God. We're just hurting ourselves more. It's hard to say this and hard to admit this. Our lives are not about our dreams, plans, and our wants. It's all about what he did for us. That's what I wrote. We cannot replace honesty with the dreams we want fulfilled. Or our passions or, or our wants. End quote. I was young Regal. He said those things to a room that was probably at that time to capacity that we were probably thinking about having like two services then. He said that to that group of people. There's ways that I would have said some things different. when I read those notes my heart it really said this and, and this is just the way my mind thinks I said to myself you go 2009 Regal that's exactly what I said as I was doing these notes you go 2009 Regal I haven't figured it all out in those last 13 years I've made many mistakes I've done so many things that I'm ashamed of in those years in between, so many have left the Lord. I've seen, I've seen so many who have said or that are saying such opposite things than when they have first come to believe. And I could go down the list of other things that we've seen. But I'm grateful to the Lord that 2021 Regal, or 2022 almost, is still saying and believes the same thing. And is still preaching what I believe is the same truth. And because of that, I'm truly honored and humbled before God. But you see, 2009, Regal had to come clean. As I was preaching that, I probably was at a different place in my heart, my spirit. But I had to come clean. And this man up here today, me as an individual, has to come clean always. I have to take this word, this word, these last, what is it, six messages, this series that we're on, and decide every single day on my own obedience, my honesty, whether I will win the world within or whether I'll start losing. But it's up to me to make that decision because God remains, as we sang, faithful always. I'm going to close up. There's importance of honesty among us, about coming clean. And in James chapter 5, James says something that is so important. And I'm going to read it again as we've read it already throughout this series. He says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
And the prayer of the faith will, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And I don't want to go into that. I kind of shared what I believe that was a couple weeks ago. What that message is, what that verse means. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Here's, here's the connection. Verse 16. Confess your trespasses. Confess your sin. I look at this and it's the Lord saying, confess what's within. Confess it to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Because the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. So I read James again and I can say, my gosh, don't miss this. Honesty is so important and it's so vital specifically to healing. If we're ever going to heal, we need to come clean. And to come clean, I could only say it this way. We need one another. We need someone in our lives in order to come clean. It was the way of the early church. I guess we could be called the later church. But the early church, that was their way. There was no other way. They would honestly, honestly confess their sins. They would surrender to each other that which weighed them down. They were a unit with one purpose, with one vision. And they understood the importance of honesty. And I believe it's a main reason why they were so productive. I'm going to share with you one story of how honest they were. They're collecting funds. And there's a couple in the church that's about to sell their land. And says, we're going to sell our land. And whatever we make off that land, we're going to give it to the going to give it to the body. We're going to give it to you, Peter. We're going to give it to the church. He says, good job. I'm glad that the God put that in your heart. They go sell their land. The husband comes and says, hey, here's my portion to give to the church. Peter looks at him and says, you have come to me today to lie, but you didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. And he says, those men that are outside those doors today would drag your body out of here because today you'll die. Their dishonesty ended up killing them. I'm not telling you today if you walk out of here and you're dishonest, you're going to die today. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> I am saying though that dishonesty long term begins to kill you. It begins to destroy you. He dies. I've seen a lot of dishonest people in my life just fade away. They're no longer in the Lord because they're just dishonest. The wife comes in with a grin, Peter, my brother, how are you? Highly favored and anointed one. My sister, I'm doing great. Everything is good. But what do you have to tell me today? Oh, here's... Did you see my husband earlier? Yes, I did. He was here. Let me ask you a question. Did, he did you guys really make that much money off the land that you saw? Oh, yeah. How dare you lie to the Holy Spirit like your husband did? Don't they sound a little like Adam and Eve? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's the lie. It's, can't just come open. No one can come open here today. No one can come clean. He says, the same men that dragged your husband out of here are going to drag you too, okay? She dies. I started to think about that story and I said, my God, these people were very honest. <laughs> they were so honest. <laughs> A moment of dishonesty <laughs> was going to bring great consequences. But I think there's a greater lesson behind all that. Don't get lost and not see the greater lesson. Come on. How many of us need to just come clean? 
Number one, are you hiding from God? I want you just to examine your heart. Not the hearts that my daughter draws for me. Your heart. Your master control center. Examine it. Have you been hidden from God? Number two, are you covering yourself? Are you wearing masks today? Which mask did you put on to come to church? What mask will you pick up later on throughout the week? You're covering yourself? Well, I just figured the fig leaves would be fine, Lord. No, they're not. They're not fine. Watch what I'm going to do. The Lord sacrifices the first animal to be sacrificed to give them clothing of his own choosing. He says, this is real clothes. Number three, they began to blame. Are you blaming others? I didn't mention this, but maybe you're constantly blaming yourself. And I'm saying, hey, just stop blaming yourself and just come open with it. That way you can live free of blame and guilt the rest of your life. Who are you blaming? What are you blaming? Are you lonely? Are you critical about everything? Are you unapproachable? Are you hurt? Are you filled with unforgiveness? Seriously, guys, I've been six weeks, we've been six weeks preaching a very series of tough messages. That next week, trust me, you don't want to miss next week. It's going to be so, it's Christmas, so it's going to be so brilliant. We're going to be smiling. I'm going to be screaming. It's going to be so powerful. It's going to be talking about greatness. It's going to be so edifying. But I think when your heart is right with God, even these hard messages are so edifying. Come on. What do you have to come clean about? Wherever your heart goes, there goes your whole being with it. Lord, I thank you for today. I want to be sensitive to this moment. I believe that for the last six weeks, you've, your word has really spoken to some things in our lives. But Lord, as we're wrapping up this series, we're coming to an end to it. We pray that this, is, this could be the deal breaker right here, right now. That we would come to the place of being open right now. A place of recognizing this is not going to continue to work going forward. If it's not done in full honesty and rooted in God, God is not a liar. The devil, the enemy, he's the father of all lies, but not my father. So I can't have one who is a father of truth and be a child of lies. Lord, make me a child of truth. Help me to come clean and help me to deal with these things. And it starts right here and it starts right now so that we could all win the world within.
wondered what made people break what made people just go off the chart off road things that make you say whoa that was weird they're strange now that's weird now that's they chose that they they're living like this. And I've always thought in my years of doing this, I've seen that so so much in people. Where they've been established, it looked like in the Lord in one place, and then instantly their whole life turned to another thing. I'm just like, whoa. As it was told to me, it's so true. It's not because it just happened overnight. They finally gave in to stuff that they were truly living with and dealing with inside of their hearts, inside of their lives for a very long time. And they finally just surrendered to it. It's not that's who they are, but it could be also that that's who they've always been. Lord, I pray that for no one that will listen to this message I pray that we would all win within and win the battles within 
so that we could be faithful, righteous, saints of this earth that persevere, that our walk is to the end, that we would say we have fought the good fight, that we will finish the race, that there would be endurance because every single one of us in the battles, we win these important truths within. We're rooted, we're established. not turn to strange things that we would not turn to weird ideals that we would not run and chase against perishing things or towards perishing things that destroy our soul we would win within so that there would be testimony in the world around us. I thank you, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen every single one of us to come. And if we're going to come, let us come clean. But there's a funny thing to that. Sometimes to come clean, we've got to stand before you with our dirty, with the ugly, So to come clean, we come and we present ourselves dirty. We present the dirtiness and the ugliness so that then we could be fully cleaned and transformed in you. Thank you, Lord, for these words, for these messages, and for today. I believe that you're doing a beautiful work. As you've always said, Jesus, as you were teaching, for he who has ears, let him hear. And I pray that in our body that there would be those that have ears to hear and that they would receive the truth of your word and that there would be transformation. Thank you, Lord. As this song sings, you are a a good God. We come humbled before your presence. We love you today. In Jesus' name. Can you give God some praise right there where you're at? Thank you.